0: Would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4? 1 John chapter 4. It's been an amazing trek through this book. I've been encouraged and challenged by this book. Um, We're going to be talking about recognizing gospel truth. 1 John chapter 4. When I was younger and I just got saved, I had a friend. Let's call him Doug. Um, I was just newly saved and God gave me a heart to reach out to him. So I invited him to our youth group, and even his father would come out to church events. Doug said he already believed in Christ since he was a Mormon. He thought that my newfound faith in Christ, because he already knew who I was before I became a Christian, he knew how my life was, he thought it was great, and he wanted to join in some of the things that our church did Back at CBC. As we talked, I quickly found out that his beliefs were not what the Bible said about God and Christ and salvation. About God, we may even use the same terms. God, Jesus Christ, salvation, faith. We use the same terms, but we carried very different definitions. Drastically different definitions. Heaven and hell kind of drastic definitions. Right? About God, he believed... God lived on another planet with his wives. He believed about salvation that he can become like God's if he lived a moral life. We too can have our own planet. He also believed uh, that Jesus was the twin brother of Lucifer. About scripture, he believed not only in the 66 books of the Bible, but also a whole nother work, the Book of Mormon, which... Merely copied whole sections of the Old Testament. His God was not the God of the Bible. His Christianity was not the Christianity of the Bible. His salvation was not the salvation of the Bible. His Jesus was not the Jesus of the Bible. His Bible was not the Bible. So I studied a little and I realized that Doug was lost. I realized that the Church of Latter-day Saints was a cult started by a charlatan named Joseph Smith. And I had to talk to Doug. We had a good friendship. But I know I had to talk to him. I was torn. He started coming to youth group but would bring his Mormon Bible in his backpack. So he'd be in youth group with his Mormon Bible. It seemed like he was having fun. And my initial thought in the flesh, my initial thought was, well, why rock the boat? He's coming, so why bother him with details? It's fun. I mean, I don't want to risk this friendship, right? I was convicted that the details were not minor. They were major in the most fundamental teachings of the Bible. So I talked to him about it, and he never came back. He never was interested. He was 17, and he was an elder in the Mormon church. And he did a mission with them. And to this day, he still has not turned back to the Christ of the Bible. See, we can sweep doctrine under the rug, but it does a disservice to those around us. Some Christians don't want to seem judgmental. Oh, you believe that? I believe this. That's okay. Some Christians have been in places where sound, fearless teaching is so lacking that they can't even tell the difference. Some have no clue what truly is at stake. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 tells us that we have to have a discerning mind. Uh, the word discerning is not, even, is not even used in our language as much anymore. Discerning means to divide and to decide between good and evil, to decide which is right and which is wrong. We only use discerning when we talk about tasting wine or coffee, not even in the ideas in the, the worldviews that people may have. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-6 through six says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not con- confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming. And now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Verse 5. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Father, we come before you and we ask you would help us to love you in this way, to love you with our minds, to love you with clear thinking about the gospel. Thank you that your son has has shown us his truth and the truth has indeed set us free and we can see clearly because of your Bible, because of your word, because of your spirit. We pray, Father, that you would help us to become those who would defend the gospel and those who would hold on to the gospel and discern for the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, God calls all believers to be discerning in the gospel. God calls all believers to be discerning. In the gospel, there are three components of our examination when we discern rightly the gospel. John tells us that when we come to Christ, we're not to check our minds at the door. Some people believe that that's what Christianity is, and some churches still teach that. Oh, you don't need to have theology, you don't need to think about the things of the Bible, you just need to believe that Jesus is in your heart, and that's it. Well, in fact, this text here is telling you something quite different. It is telling you to think about your faith, to examine things about your faith, to not just let music and media and politics and and religions and different worldviews to invade your life, but rather to see the world with gospel-colored glasses, Bible-filtered glasses. And here, there are three components of our examination that we should discern rightly the gospel first. The first one is to examine diligently, examine diligently. Now this is your calling. As a Christian, this is not an option. This is not something to say, oh, this is what pastor does, or this is what my disciple does, or this is what my Bible study leader, my Sunday school teacher does. This is what you should do. Notice he says, beloved. Some group of, this, it's the same group of dear believers John has been writing to. He addresses them with this term of affection to let them know that his motivation and his desire is for their growth, for their maturity, and at this point, for their protection. Because he loves them, calls them beloved ones. And we know this language, 1 John chapter 2, beloved, I am not writing a commandment to you, 1 John chapter 3, beloved, now we are children of God, beloved, 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 beloved. The Apostle John is now, by the Holy Spirit, speaking to you this morning. You are to have a sharp mind thinking about the gospel. This doesn't mean you ought to be the best apologetic professor, or you're supposed to defend every single argument, but you have to be clear with the gospel. This is what damns people to hell, the ambiguity of the gospel, to, know what, to not be clear what a Christian is. Do not be clear who Christ is, what the gospel is, what does it mean to be saved. Now, the Apostle John says, do not believe. And this is it, the word there, believe, it's the same word that we always use. It's the Peshua word group. And this means it's in the second person plural, present active imperative. And all that means is, all of you Christians are to think this way. Okay, All of you Christians are commanded in the imperative to always be discerning and deciding and filtering music and movies and thoughts and Oprah and Dr. Phil and all the things that are trying to argue for what is true. All of these things need to be weighed by Scripture. And who's supposed to do it? You are, by the power of the Spirit. You don't need a PhD to read your Bible. God has given it to you to understand. Now, all Christians must be alert to false teaching that enters the mind, for it is dangerous when it resides there. No Christians can subcontract this out. You can't sub it to someone else. Didn't Jesus say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart? What does it say? And with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with what? All of your mind. And I think that that component there, it, it brings about the whole totality of man. See, I think in, in, in popular Christianity right now, you have what we call love songs to Jesus, and they're wonderful, but th- if it only stays at kind of like what I call Jesus is my boyfriend kind of songs, where I love you, you love me, I love you, and it has nothing to do with the doctrine that is... Explained in scripture. Nothing to do explaining his glory. His love is explained at the cross. His love is explained in the gospel. If you don't know what those things mean. This is the fount of everything. It's the fount of ministry. It's the fount of the church. It's the fount of resource and power. Now he says to do not believe all the spirits. And then also later on it says to test the spirits. Now the spirits he's not calling you. To get a Ouija board and ascertain by the Ouija board, okay, maybe this is not the spirit of God. He's not asking you to call upon the dead like a necromancy or to look at horoscopes. These are the spirits here in context, if you notice here. The spirits because many false prophets have gone into the world. This is the spirit of what they teach. It's the spirit in the context of false teachers and what they profess. And God has called all of us to be able to judge and to be able to discern. Now, in this postmodern age, when you say, you you know what often happens is, you're called to judge and to discern. Yes, you are. And then someone down the road who doesn't know Scripture, all of a sudden knows one part of a verse. And they say, doesn't the Bible say you shouldn't judge? They don't even read the whole verse, right? John is calling us to judge, to discern. You've got to make a decision, right? You can't make any, any other headway around this. You have to make a decision. Is it true or not? It Does it square with Scripture or not? Is this what God desires or not? You have to make a, a decision. This has nothing to do with you being mean or cruel. This has simply to do with discernment, okay? Now, when Jesus says, if you want to look at it it yourself, when Jesus says, thou shalt not judge, it says, lest you be judged. And then he talks about being a judge hypocritically or unrighteously. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't make a judgment about someone when you have sin in your heart. And don't judge them knowing you have sin in your heart and you're doing the same thing. That's what Jesus is saying. He doesn't say, don't make any decisions about teaching. He doesn't say, don't make any decisions about what a Christian is. He doesn't say, oh, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to decide. And so some churches will teach that. They will teach that, you know, this more spiritual thing is to not make a decision. That's a spiritual thing. When in fact, the scripture says, that is a demonic way of thinking. To check your head at the door. To not think about these things. And in fact, John is telling you by the Holy Spirit to decide. Make those decisions. See, in this postmodern age where everyone's opinion is as equal or as valid as anyone else's, any kind of disagreement is seen as hateful, hate speech, bigoted. Don't believe that at all. If you simply disagree, I don't believe it, you're hateful. You're hateful. See, tolerance used to be, I respect you as a person, but I disagree with your viewpoint, and here's why. Now, tolerance, the way they teach it now, tolerance is now your viewpoint is equally valid as any other viewpoint. That is just not true. John is calling us to make a decision about other teachings. See? You can believe all that you want that you're a bird and you could fly without any apparatus, but you will fall, right? It's a false belief. They may believe that, I'll say it's false. You can believe... All you want that you're a mallard duck. It doesn't mean that you are. This is not cruel or mean-spirited. You guys see it, brothers and sisters. I'm not being cruel when I say you're not a duck when you're saying you're a duck. I'm not being cruel. I'm not being mean-spirited. I'm just calling it like it is. And John tells the saints that they are loved. And they must discern and judge and act in disagreement with those who teach a false gospel. Those who are loved and who will love others will tell the truth regardless of reprisal or rejection. You tell the truth even if it hurts. I would have, when my mom was in the hospital and she had gangrene in both of her kidneys and they said we're going to have to remove these kidneys and she's going to be on dialysis for the rest of her life. Okay. And as I sat there not knowing what to do as a young Father, not knowing what to do, right? No one was with me, right? Should be If you don't take out the kidney, she's going to die, right? I would rather deal with the truth. Now, this doctor would have been evil if he said, oh, you know what? She just has a sore stomach. Here's some candy. She'll be okay. She just needs something sweet. You know why? Because he wasn't telling me the truth, and I'm glad he told me the truth so I could deal with it. Brothers and sisters, We are to be the people who are discerning, who can see the viewpoints, who can concise them, and does it jive with scripture? And to tell folks, this is not right. This is demonic in its source. This is not scripture. If you go on believing this, you are on your way to hell. Because there is no forgiveness in that kind of a Christ. A Christ who is simply some hippie who drinks coffee and wears Birkenstocks and walks around. Right? There's no salvation in that Christ. We are to think clearly about these things. Brothers and sisters. Now. Every Christian young to old. Poor to rich. Educated to non-educated. Is called to have a sharp mind. Able and willing to discern biblical truth from lies. You should do everything you can to grow in the scriptures. This is not a competition with your other brothers and sisters. This is simply me. How can I grow more in you, Jesus? How can I know the scriptures more? How can I be able to speak the scriptures into someone's life? And how can I have the courage and the bravery to do it when I know that the relationship is at risk when I open my mouth? Secondly, not only are we to examine diligently, but you are called by the power of God, by His Spirit, to examine consciously. Examine consciously. And what I mean by consciously is being conscious of the spiritual ramifications of what is occurring. Being conscious of false teachers. Notice he says in 1B. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, he uses the second person plural. He's saying all of you do this. All of you test. This is not a new thing in Scripture. In fact, in the Old Testament, they would say, test the prophets. If anything they say is not true, they're not a prophet. Stone them. That's what the Old Testament would say. In in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, this is a great verse for you to grow in discernment. Write this down. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, it says, But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what is good. God calls you to grow in this. Now, the word there for test means to test and approve. It means to examine. It means to scrutinize, to see if it's genuine or not. To accept the result of an examination of a person, to regard as approved, to consider qualified or approved. It's used of a metallurgist when he purifies precious metals like silver or gold. And he heats up the ore in the crucible. And as it's heating up, all the impurities, the dross will flow to the top. And then he takes the scooper and he scoops it off. And all that is left is that pure metal. God tells us we want to check if this faith is genuine. We want to check if it's real. okay? Because everything, all that glitters is not what? it isn't okay someone says the word christ and you think they're christian you got another thing coming to you someone says the word god and all of a sudden they're spiritual you need to step back and be a little bit wiser about this and how do you do that you start to ask questions and so john tells us we need to do this okay test it paul tells us to examine everything carefully You are called by God to listen and to discern and to make a judgment. You're not called to check your mind at the door, to use only your heart. Testing is not just a matter of feelings. But what do they teach? I was talking to Abner before, and he was looking for a church in Santa Rosa. And I'm so glad he chose his church because he said of the preaching. He preaches well. He preaches the word of God. That's how you pick a church. Not the bells and whistles. Not the, uh, not the jump. We call it the jumpy jump outside for the kids. Okay, you choose a church by what? Do they hold fast to the Word of God? Are they going to stand for the gospel, whether or not people like it? Are they going to hold up Christ because He's the only way of salvation? Will you do that, brothers and sisters? And he says, for you to test. You got to test. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Doug Thompson, he's a pastor in Middletown. He says, You know what? When people say they believe in God, I pretty much assume they're a non Christian. I go, Wow, how could you do that? He goes, Because if you keep asking them, they usually just say, I believe in a God or a higher power if they don't name the name of Christ specifically, usually, they're not saved. And I said, huh. And I tried it out. And I started asking asking people, and they go, yeah, I believe in a God, but he, you know, I don't believe in organized religion, and I don't believe in the, and they just start mouthing all the things that everyone else has been, they've been hearing from. Do they center on the person of Christ? Right. We're going to see this, that there are there are two kinds of wisdoms. There are two kinds of paths. There are two kinds of life decisions. There are two kinds of behaviors. There's two different kinds of worldviews. One is of Christ and one is of the devil. One is of God and one is of this world. One is leads to righteousness and to holiness and to and to heaven itself. One leads to death and destruction. There is a narrow path, and there is a wide path, and there are no paths in between. There's a source. No, he says, to see whether they're from God. In Psalm chapter 1, let me read this to you. There's two ways of life. There's only two ways of life. There's no third way of life. There's no, I'm kind of good, but without Christ. There's no third way of life. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does he prospers. There is the way of the sinner and there is the way of those who seek after Christ. There is the way of those who... Seek after their own religion, and there is the way of faith. There's two kinds of wisdom. James says in James chapter 3, You have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. Do not be arrogant, and so lie against the truth. The wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. There is wisdom from above, that is God's, and there is wisdom from below. There is One way to think about Jesus, and there's another way to think about Jesus. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. You, imagine those who don't know Christ, you are of your father. This is Christ's words, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks lies, he speaks from his own nature. For he's a liar and the father of lies. I speak the truth, but you do not believe in me. There's one way to think about Christ. And there's quite another way to think about Christ. It is pervasive in number. There are many false prophets have gone into the world. This is why we have to we have to look carefully. Look at Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven Verse one. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. And Paul is talking about, um, Paul is talking about, he's going to be speaking about himself. And he says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I betroth you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Verse 3, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. From the simplicity, notice, and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you have received a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Notice he is saying here that you don't accept those. Who preach another gospel. You don't accept those. Who preach another Christ. You don't accept those. Who preach another lifestyle. Apart from growing and learning. In Christ. So every Christian must examine diligently. Every Christian must examine consciously. Knowing there are false teachers. And the thing about false teachers are this. Brothers and sisters. The reason why they're so effective. Is because they use parts of the truth. Okay? They're just like the serpent of old in Genesis, where the serpent first he denied what God said. Has God really said he told that to Eve, right? Then he distorted, or, or and then he he denied what God said, and then he distorted, and then he added to what God said, right? So false teachers. They're so effective because they come in so easily. And in the Christian church at large, we see this, you know. if it, What's funny is if I start to say, well, that person that person is a false teacher, people get really upset without even listening to why I say that. And it has to be said. Guys like Benny Hinn is a false teacher. He's a false teacher. How? How do we judge that? Well, I know that he, he said that God is like a man like him, just taller. He saw him, right? Benny Hinn also said that he has, he has this power that he can slay people in the spirit where it has nothing in scripture, right? There's nothing in scripture. And in fact, when uh, a Christian apologist asked him, where is it in scripture? He, he couldn't respond. He simply said, it works, it works. Where is it in Scripture? It works. He would not respond because he knew it wasn't in Scripture. Joel Osteen is a false teacher. He's a false teacher. And he, and, and he has what people say is the biggest church in the world, in Houston. But he teaches that you can have your best life now. That God, uh, God in Christ Jesus, has has He came for the express purpose of bringing you prosperity and financial gain what happens to the christian who who is happens to be poor is that person then they what do they say to them they lack faith false teacher what about the the pastor who teaches that you can be a christian in your life never has to change you could you could have been you could have said you're a christian when you're eight years old and your life never changes and you never go to church and you never go read the bible and you you never want to be around god's people what about that that's a false teacher brothers and sisters you've got to be aware of that what about the the pastor who only teaches about your life journey and that god has come to make your dream successful and that if you only believe and you only have faith in what who you are and that the worth that you carry because Jesus wouldn't have come because unless you were so worth it, that's what he says, right? You got to be so worth it. That's why Jesus came. That is a false teacher, brothers and sisters, because it doesn't jive with Scripture, right? So, how are we to examine? Lastly, examine rightly. This is how to examine. By this, very clearly, John says, this is how you know the Spirit of God. And he gives us three questions to think about. I'm glad for three questions, because I can't compete with all the apologists, and I can't compete with all of the the argumentations. He just has three questions. Okay. This is this will help you, because you could remember three, can't you? Right? Okay. Here's the three questions. Number one, who do they say Jesus is? Number two, what do they call a Christian? And number three, how do they respond to Scripture? Okay, that's easy. Okay, so are you telling me this is all I need to know? Yeah, brothers and sisters, this is all you need to know. Okay, this is all you need to know to uncover false teaching. This is all you need to know to uncover false uh, 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 demonic source, uh, demonic source of teaching. Number one. What do they think of Jesus? Number two, who is a Christian or what do, they, what do they call a Christian? And number three, right? How do they respond to scripture? Now let's go to the first one, okay? Who do they say is Jesus? And in verse two and three, it says here, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming And now also you are already in the world. Who do they say Jesus is? This is the million-dollar question, brothers and sisters. You cannot get this question wrong. You cannot get this question wrong and still be a Christian. This is the ultimate question. This is the same question Jesus asked Peter and the disciples. Who do men say that I am? And, and, And Peter himself said, you are what? The son of the living Christ, right? You are the Messiah. The person of Christ, he says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Has come. Let's look at that phrase, has come. This speaks of Jesus' eternality. He did not begin, but he came. In John chapter 1, verse 1. we Remember, in the beginning was the word. And the word was what? With God. And the word What? was God see we don't believe that Jesus's origin started when he was born Jesus came the phraseology there is simply just to, to tell us that he had an origin before this time before him arriving on earth he had an origin way before that In John and then he says well how did he come in the flesh John 1 14, we know that it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. If they don't believe that Jesus is one with the Father, that He is God incarnate, that He put on flesh, they are wrong. John chapter 1 verse 14, remember the same one. John chapter 1 verse 18, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. So if you're friends young folks if you're friends I know what I know what other churches are here I know what's right by a, a coastal academy across the street from over there right And if they start preaching that Jesus is not God but he is a god he is the first created being you already know that is wrong John chapter 1 verse 14 John chapter 1 verse 1 right cuz they deny His coming in the flesh, but that he had the glory of God himself. See, Jehovah Witnesses will teach that God, Jehovah Witnesses will teach that God is almighty God, but Jesus is a God. That's what they teach. There's a difference between the almighty God and Jesus is a God. And you know, that's already false. Because John himself said in John 1, look at what he says, John chapter 1, verse 1. And this is why he said this. He wants to explain to you the magnificence, the glory that God himself came in the flesh. And he says in John chapter 1, verse 1, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And this life, this is Christ, was manifested and we've seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Jesus is God and he had glory with the Father before the foundation of the world and he came down and John felt him and touched him and they beheld his glory and they spent years with him. Who do they say? Jesus is when they say he was a good man, but just that, you know, it's false doctrine. When they say there is no Trinity and that Jesus is a God, but not almighty God, you know that is false doctrine. When they say he was a superhuman, but not God in the flesh, you know that they teach another doctrine. When they say he is a Christ who can save, but not change, you know, that is false doctrine. When they say his main reason for coming was to bring you riches and material wealth and not to be the one mediator between God and man, you know that it is false doctrine. We are to glory and revel in him. Secondly, what do they call a Christian? Verse 4. What do they call a Christian? You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Let me, let me unpack this portion here, okay? John is talking about this, this terminology of overcoming, but it's not overcoming in the way that we would think. We would think overcoming like armies and hordes would come and destroy everything. He is talking about the overcoming of the world by the Christian because of the regenerated heart and the and the faith that is perseverant. Okay. In 1 John chapter 5, okay, this is what overcoming means to the Apostle John, it isn't. It isn't that he can defeat all arguments. It isn't that he could slay all his enemies. It isn't that he could wave his hand and a crowd of people could fall down. Here is what he's saying: what overcoming is. First John chapter five, verse four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. What do you mean, John? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? What does it say, brothers and sisters? Our faith. I think that's astounding. That's astounding. Couple that with greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Now think about this. This is what he's saying. An overcomer is a believer. Amen? But what is overcoming? What does it look like? He says, Our faith. What is he saying? He's saying, despite the false teaching, despite the world ideologies, despite the difficulties of life, the Christian's overcoming, the Christian's victory is that he or she just keeps believing in Jesus. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what someone teaches, the overcoming is a supernatural overcoming that God says puts in your heart and in your mind that you read the scriptures and you say, this is true. No, I I know that other people believe this, but this is true. That is the supernatural overcoming and that spills into the Christian life such that you are now you are. Walking with that faith, moving with that faith, living with that faith. So brothers and sisters, the reason why I say the second question is, the first one is what? Who is Jesus? The second one is, what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has a perseverant faith in Christ that overcomes the world. Now, if they try and define a Christian as someone who can have faith and then not have faith anymore, not believe in Jesus, that's not a Christian. If they say a Christian is someone whose life now is defeated and never comes back up for air and never decides for Christ and and just decided for Christ by signing on a form but never lives the life, then that is not a Christian. If they say that a Christian is someone who has gotten baptized And their life has never changed. That is not a Christian. So who is Jesus? And what is a Christian? And then lastly, how do they respond to the word of God? How do they respond to the word of God? Notice verses 4 through 6. He says, verse 5, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, John is speaking the us collectively of the apostles. He's saying, if you listen to us because we have received direct revelation from Jesus. Revelation that's even better than experience. Remember, he says this to Peter. He tells him, Peter, we have a word made more sure. And Peter was talking about the transfiguration. We have a word made more sure. He says, that's how you know. That's why I love when we're sharing the gospel to let people read the word of God. Let them see it for themselves. Let them read it. Let them feel the comfort and the sting of both the scriptures. The both surgical knife and the balm of the ointment of scriptures. Let them feel it both. Let them read it both, right? Because what happens is the Spirit of God moves, and if that person is going to be born again, they will respond and listen, and they will know it's the truth. And if they don't, they're not saved. You see, those who don't want to hear the truth, they want to listen to the things of the world. They like the things that... That they, they want to hear the stuff about them. They want to hear the stuff about how they view the world. Second Timothy four three says this for the time why don't you come with come with me there? This is an important verse. Second Timothy chapter four. This is Paul's last communication. Is going to be executed, he's going to be beheaded, and he knows this. And he's writing this letter to Timothy, and he tells him the most important things. These are his last words. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his his kingdom. Verse 2, the most important thing. Timothy, you preach the word. You keep preaching the word. You preach it. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. You just keep preaching, teachers. You keep teaching, children's teachers. You keep teaching, disciples. You keep teaching the word of God. You keep at it. Whether you're popular or not, you keep at it. This is what people need. They need the word of God undiluted. And now it says here, for the time. Why? Why do I need to do this? Timothy may ask Paul. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear right doctrine, they don't want to hear correct teaching. But wanting to have, what does it say? Their ears tickled. Sometimes they, you know, when you go swimming, sometimes you get some water in your ear. And it's irritating, and I forget my Q-tips, right? And I say, honey, I mean, we were at the beach. Or sometimes I'll get sand in there because we're surfing, and I get tumbled, right? So we go, ah, let's just go home. I don't want to shower in these showers. They're cold anyways. Let's go home. So we go home. And, man, I like to stick that (laughs) cotton swab in my ear, right, to get that sand out, right? I just, you know it feels good. Come on, don't don't laugh like it doesn't feel good. It feels good, right? Because now it's clean, right? You see, people like to do that with teachers. And so Paul is saying this, that it's like they want people to kind of tickle their ears. They want people to tell them things that make them feel good. May not be truth, but just makes them feel good. Notice he says here, They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. This is what they do, okay? They add on teacher after teacher after teacher. Notice he says accumulate for themselves. They collect them. Oh, I like what that person says. I collect that teacher. Oh, I like what they said about sin. They don't really talk about sin. I like that one. Oh, and about wealth and prosperity gospel. I like that one. Oh, this one is kind of a life coach. Doesn't talk about sin. Doesn't talk about the gospel. That's my life coach. I like that one. They accumulate for themselves. They have them on their bookmarks on their YouTube account. The ones they like. I could tell a lot about you by the people you listen to. You could tell a lot about me about the people you listen to. right? And it says here, what? In accordance with their own Desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth. And will turn aside to miss But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Brothers and sisters. You are called. To hold the standard of truth. And to be fearless and brave about it. And to risk relationship if you must. And to risk being liked. If you must. Because you're not. You're not called. You don't have the authority to change the message. You are simply to deliver it. You're the mailman. You can't change it. You can't open it up and change the bill. You have to deliver it. Amen? Now, love God with your mind. Love Him by holding to the truth. Examine diligently. It is your responsibility. By the power of Christ, you have the Word of God. You have the Spirit of God. You have teachers. You have fellowship. Examine diligently. Examine consciously. Know. Know this for a fact. People are teaching opposite. I was reminding a brother. He was going to take religious studies classes. And I said, you go in there. They are going to attack Christ. I'm just telling you. Know that. And examine rightly, how do you do that? You ask, who is Jesus? What is a Christian? And what is scripture? Or how do you respond to scripture? God, we pray that you would make us a discerning people. Not ones that could be tossed here and there by the waves. Make us, make us mature in the faith. Strong in the faith. Strong in conviction to the truth. May we grow in this, we pray. Help us to sing. Thank you for fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen.